On Saturday the 4th of June, the Critical Twits retired to the bar at the UK Games Expo for an interview with John Robertson. John is a comedian, TV presenter, columnist, multimedia artist and games designer, probably best known for his dark room show, mixing live comedy with the sadistic pedantry of 80s text adventures. We thought we were going to have a quick chat, but instead, chaos ensued. How long have you got? We don't want to oh, mate, I don't have anything to do for the minute. I've got to, I'll go, have a, I'll go have a shower later and check out the progress of my drying underpants in the room. Sam, is that is that what you do mostly when you're not performing? When I, Just look at pants constantly. Yeah. Well, no, I, I moisten them first, and then I then I just watch them dry. It's when a fine crust starts to form, and you watch the you watch the gusset. That's right, they're not even the pants of the correct gender. You just watch it start to stiffen and warp, and that's when I really get excited. And I moisten them a second time. Yeah, uh, look, years, I, I, I swear I did this last year. Years and years of going out to hotels and go, you know, going to conventions, and I still haven't learned how to pack appropriately. Yeah. Like, I pack... What I do is I go, all right, well, I better get all of the darkroom kit. And so I've got my big boots and my armor, and I've got my Xbox controller, and I've got the wireless dongle and all this weird goth ephemera for that. <laughs> and then I go, well, all right, now that that's done, I better pack all of the merch, and I pack all the merch. And then after that, I go, well, I'm going to be walking around, and people will see me. I better pack the suit. And I go, I better pack the other suit, the, the, this, this sort of emergency suit, because there's the, the black suit, which I'm wearing now, which looks really nice, and then there's the red suit, which is the no-one-can-stop-seeing-me suit, <laughs> right? And so I pack that, and by this point, you, it's, you're about half an hour late for the train, yeah. so yeah. you just sort of go, ah, oh, underpants, socks, and then you've reached the hotel. You, you grab a random yeah. number of underpants. Exactly. So you don't yeah. count the days you're going to be here. You go, I yeah. think four Yeah, exactly right. You're going to be there for a week yeah. and a half. And Isn't that four will do? And so, it, yeah, exactly. Well, I went with three, and so <laughs> every time, every single time, like, and it happened this time at this convention last year, and this is what happens when I don't travel with my wife, because uh, she... Would, well, she'd noticed that this was happening and would no doubt make several cutting remarks about it. Uh, is what I'll do is I'll get the... Just get the underpants, right? And get that hotel soap and maybe some conditioner. And so you're spending real time in the sink here, you know. You're just, just squeezing, you know, and then getting the hairdryer and, and praying for the best and, and all this. And because I... Because when I'm staying in a hotel for a long time, I don't like the um, I don't like the maids or whatever they're actually called. Uh, how anime and S and M of me <laughs> call them maids. Uh, I don't really like them to come into my room because I just explode all my gear everywhere. Yeah. So you got really upset. They moved one of your games three inches to the left <laughs> no, yeah. last night and organised my stuff. Wait, <laughs> I'm my, a mess. Don't do it. My problem is that I throw the clothes that I have on the floor. Yeah. And so when I come back and they've been moved, I feel deeply ashamed. Yeah. So I'd, yeah. I'd rather just have the evidence of what I've done rather than the knowledge that you saw what I did. Yeah. Right. And so, yeah, I was doing all that. And this, this is what I was doing this morning. And I knew that at about 
on the television, uh, I and the cast members of my show, Video Game Nation, would be making an announcement. And so as I was doing that, I'm wringing out my underpants and watching Twitter, <laughs> which was great fun because we were announcing that the show's been cancelled and we only have one more episode. Oh, and so gosh. I'm just, you know, just kind of, you know, just doing that. Yeah. And then thank God Twitter came alive because otherwise I'd have been tremendously depressed because I'd just be, <laughs> just be a man holding his dirty underpants, having people go, we don't care the show's cancelled. Fuck you, it's awful. You know? <laughs> and instead, instead we had this beautiful string of people who were really, you know, quite, quite upset about it, which was lovely. It was nice to know and... A couple of trolls, and that was of no great consequence. There's one guy who really dislikes me. Um, <laughs> and what's weird about him is that he's a father, and each of his pictures is him with his daughter. And I'm always just looking at it, and I'm always just like, well, you should probably spend time with your kid. <laughs> I don't know why you keep messaging me. Because I don't, I don't reply to him, so I don't know what he wants, no. particularly. You know, I, I'm much more interested in replying to the people who said something nice or had a genuine question. Yeah. And I really do like the guy, because I wrote down on Twitter, um, you know, I'm, I'm at a convention wringing out my underpants, <laughs> glad, you know, gutted it's the end of hashtag VGN, right? Uh, and then I wrote humbling, you know, just for fun. And this one guy who just wrote wank underneath it, <laughs> which is good because then I got to write back, that's how they got dirty, you nonce. You know, so that was just a nice moment. Yeah. Because you could tell he wasn't being a cunt, you know, he was just playing, yeah, which yeah. is very funny. So that's been my morning, boys. What have you been up to? Be awesome. Yeah, we've just been, we've been doing lots of things like this today. Yeah. Maybe now you check a few games out, really. Yeah, so. now Colin's finally turned up. Well, yeah. yes, yes. It's organising uh -huh. uni Tattoo. stuff. And not a moment too soon. And that is a fantastic, fantastic uh, yeah. set of tattoos, incidentally. Yeah, cheers. Oh, those are, that's quite new, isn't it? Yesterday. Yesterday! <laughs> <laughs> I see, and why are you not currently swathed in plastic wrap? Uh, take it off after a couple he of took, hours. Yeah, he took it the instant he got here. He went, this itches. Goodbye. Flung it aside. I went, Put it back on. <laughs> Go and get some more. Ah, it's all right. I've got I, cream. My arms. Oh, good. Oh, yeah. You got the baby cream, have oh, you? Uh, we've got aloe vera. Oh, lucky. Oh, yes. Lucky. Yeah. Nothing I, but the highest class. I got a big old one here, so I got. Well, it was nappy rash cream. Nappy oh. rash. Have you have you found the thing where you get a you get a tattoo? And you go to bed and you wake up in the morning and there's a perfect imprint of your tattoo on your bedclothes? Yes, I woke up this morning, not so much with the imprint, but I woke up this morning like this. Oh no! And then got poked by Brian yeah. and he, he woke me up and, and just for a second I went, oh good morning, and then I realised what I was doing and yeah. then the flush of pain came with yeah. lying on your arm. For, listen yeah, for listeners, he's been lying on his newly tattooed arm. You're oh. better at this than we are. No, 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 I've just made that mistake many times. And not, not your mistake, you're an idiot. I mean, I would, never in my life. Because when I got, why not? Yeah, like, okay, now why, I'll ask you a question. Why particularly do you have these tattoos? Because they're beautiful, mythological tattoos, you know, a touch of the old fantasy. Let's, let's just take us through what, do, I mean, do you, do you guys know what he has? 
yeah, we'll put, we'll, we'll we'll put a picture yeah, up. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, what have you? Well, just tell me what what, the, what we're looking at. Uh, we're looking at demons uh, with some Cthulhu tentacles. Yeah, that, that are emerging from your. Eyes. Oh my God! They're they're, they're, they're incredible. They're it's yeah. emerging from his arm. Okay, as in it's emerging through drawn cracks in his arm. Yeah. And then I've uh, where it's been tearing, I've tried to sew myself. Oh, that's amazing. Back together, but it's it's not working. There. No. They're coming through. Yeah. As for the reason for it. Yes. I went. I have an idea, and then I drew it, and then I took it to my tattooist and went. Oh, that's do that's that lovely. Oh, no, so that's that was it. Oh, that's really really good. Oh, thank You're you. You're a very very fine artist. I particularly like that skull that I can just see there, um, just above your knuckles. Yeah, that was a last minute addition. Um, <laughs> Friday morning, I d it was only planning to go up to the wrist, and then I want. Well, no, it's okay, excellent. I'll get it on my hands. You decided so. you never wanted to work again. <laughs> yes. so yeah. You'd get your hand tattooed. Yeah, why not? Well, I think that's I think that's absolutely tremendous because the uh, the tattoo I've got is an illustration by my uh, my old best friend. Uh, so you know, here's something for you. Cause my like my wife's got a tattoo, and it's a great tattoo. And she had a chat with her tattooist, and they had a big old conversation, and they workshopped a fine idea, right? Yep. And that's that's what she's got. But I'm such a big fan of really intricate, already existing pictures yeah. transferred to skin. Because if you can get a really good tattoo artist, like a proper artist, because the guy that I had, who's a genius, uh, looked at it and he went, well, John, what you got here, this isn't ink, right? Because I presumed that, you know, because it was from a comic, I presumed, and he went, no, no, what this is, this is a very fine pencil drawing. So there's no black in this picture. You think there's black, but it's just incredible shading. So I'm going to do it for you in various shades of grey. Now, just excuse me momentarily, because what he did was he printed it, and then he began photocopying it till it was lighter and lighter. Okay. Because he's just going, because your skin isn't the same colour as the paper. No. Yeah. So to make it look like the paper, right, I need to do this, and lo and behold, I now have this fantastic bloody tattoo, which... Um, I mean, you'd appreciate because what it is is a little girl on the end of a bed, right? And that's everything you like. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's a little girl on the end of a bed, and and behind her, uh, sort of amorphously coming out of a of a shadow, is this uh, strange, just. It's it's quite it's quite odd to describe because it may or may not have eyes and tendrils. It may not actually have a defined physical shape, yeah. and it's just coming behind her, and it's uh, you know it's it's not terrifying, it's profoundly melancholy, and mm. yeah, it's a lovely lovely thing to that have. That does sound really cool. Actually. Oh, thank you. Well, I I take it off, I take the shirt off, but yeah, it's fine. It's, it's, <laughs> We'd enjoy it too much. No, no, well, yeah, they, I mean these poor people are obviously trying to eat, uh, <laughs> which is a shame because they all they have are liquids. They just don't know how they work. <laughs> They're doing it all wrong. Oh. Yeah. But yeah, because when I got my tat, I because the problem was she died, right? So this was a grief tattoo, right? And I would recommend to anyone, right, as long as as long as you can get it organised and you're absolutely certain that the tattooist is a genius, yeah. right? Mm, yeah. If you are grieving, that is the best possible time to get a tattoo. Yeah. Uh, not because you're thinking rationally, because you aren't, yeah. all right, a yeah. at all. And in fact, 
you should almost certainly ignore what it seems to be a good idea to you. Because most of mo the time, yes. Yeah, but because most of it won't be. Yeah. You know, at all. You're you're actually deranged. You're you know you 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 are experiencing as close to just oh well uh, what a sort of a delusional state yeah, as yeah. you can. It's a it's a heightened, very very busy time, and and yet weirdly numb. Everyone lives through this, so you'll have all experienced it. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, you get the tattoo, and for six hours, right. It's nothing but pain, followed shortly thereafter by endorphins that you didn't know your body still had in you, right? <laughs> yeah. And my guy is lovely, is just talking, and of course he's the only person at the time. He like he let the conversation be led. He didn't have any opinions on the death, right? He didn't yeah. want to come in and tell you what you should be doing yeah. or or anything, right? And all he would do is I would go, oh, I might go to the toilet and go, all right. And he'd just follow me around, just gently rubbing me with a wet rag or whatever it was. <laughs> that sounds to, nice. To stop me bleeding on the floor, you <laughs> yeah. know, which is terrific. He bought me a bottle of Coke. We drank the Coke. We had a fantastic six hours. And then this was a lovely moment. I had it done and I'm completely and utterly, you've got to understand, I was out of my mind anyway yeah. because my mind had pretty much just said, look, there's nothing here now. Yeah. You know, you, you're just going to work on impulse. You're going to be screaming a lot at your loved ones. It's going to be a strange time. Yeah. I was walking down the road and I had my, you know, my plastic wrap that you should be wearing. I can't remember exactly why. I think it's got something to do with infection. Uh, he said, leaning in and spitting into the cracks. There you go. Now your demons will have horns. Uh, I was walking down the street. And in Australia, uh, they have a thing called the Melbourne Comedy Festival Roadshow, which is a nice touring, uh, you know, comedy show. Yeah. Plays out big theatres, run by the biggest comedy festival. And I was always a little, just a bit like, oh, I've never done it. Oh, you know, like, oh, I'd like to, maybe. But I've never asked. I've, they've never asked me. And as my mother put it at one point, she went, did you ever ask them? I was like, no, oh, shut up. Uh, obviously, <laughs> no. Yes, that's well, not the point. That's well, that's the, the, oh, I just want to be, it's like, I just want to be angry. I don't want to do something practical, you know. <laughs> so, also, I don't live in that country, so I don't see why I would have been. But I'm, I'm walking around, okay, down the street. I've got my tattoo, and I'm going to go meet some friends for dinner. And I ran into all the comedians who were on the Comedy Festival Roadshow in the middle of the street. And it was like a hideous nightmare come true, because the thing is, a lot of the guys who are in that cluster are actually very sensitive people. And when I say sensitive, uh, what I mean is they're not sensitive to you, they uh, can't cope with negative information. Okay. So what happened was they all sort of exploded at me. I was kind of like, oh, John, Jono, how are you? And I was like, well, my best friend committed suicide. I'm in a pretty bad place right about now. So anyway, I got this huge tattoo. Don't touch me. It's, I'm in extreme pain. Right, and this, of course, flummoxes Sorry, them. That's not funny. It is funny. No, it's funny as hell. It flummoxes them like completely. Uh, there's a lot of oh. Oh, I'm sorry. So, uh, and, you know, because there isn't anything to say, so it's totally no. reasonable. Yeah. One of them who's great, when they all go away, uh, one of them walks back and is like, do you want me to, to call you? And I was like, no, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine. 
but it was it was interesting because it was two sets of people on two completely different highs because they they would have just done His Majesty's Theatre which is a beautiful theatre in my old hometown. Yeah. And that's why they were in that neck of the woods, because they would have been walking to the hotel. So they would have just been completely like, yeah, what a great day. And then they'd be like, oh, there's John. He used to live here. Hooray, what's going? Well, we didn't fucking shit. <laughs> and so, and so that, was, that was pretty damn good. Uh, it was fun. And it was strange, too, because I reminded one of them of it when I ran into him in Edinburgh. Yeah. And this exactly the same thing happened again. He was just kind of like, "Oh yeah, yeah, John," oh, oh. and he just can't. He found he found a reason to leave the room, which uh, was fine. You know, people cope with grief differently. And as it turned out, about six months later, I was more than happy just to be like, "Hey, remember that time you you couldn't talk about? It, it was really uncomfortable." And he's done it again. Yeah. What? You don't want to see the tattoo? Come here. You know, it's, it's on my cock. It's a weird grief tattoo, mate. I felt very strange. It says I'm ever so sad, and that's when it's flaccid. Uh, aside from that, it says something along the lines of, I always supported the regime of Assad. <laughs> something like that. Oh. oh, I need to collect my thoughts now. Oh, that's I'm good. all over the well, place. Oh, yeah. I'm broken as well. Oh. No, I haven't. Yeah. Thank you very much for this beautiful recording. Oh, gentlemen. see, aren't you glad I got the tattoo? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. That's a great tattoo. I mean, how long did that take? Uh, that's five hours so far. Oh, yeah. So I've got about another five to do. And then yeah. Roughly. Get your back out, Colin. Go on. Scare people. I'd have to strip for that. That is terrifying. <laughs> For the viewers, Colin. Hmm? No, they can't see. But for the viewers. <laughs> for the viewers. Yes. yes. For, the, for the people on the podcast. Flex your back at the thing. Yeah. So you seem to be quite a dark person. <laughs> yes. Um, so I mean, obviously that ties in with your comedy. Yes. Uh, yeah. Yes, it, it does. So are, do you, are you yourself on stage? Or? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I am. Uh, more and more so, as it turns out. Mm. Uh, yeah. And also, well, also who you are changes because. Um, when I started, I was 17, and mm. I had my trench coat, and I had my <laughs> trench coat because that's what the Columbine High School massacre guys had apparently worn. Yep. And I, I, this is why I got a trench coat. I got a trench coat because I thought, that looks good, and also, no one will fuck with me. Because <laughs> yeah. I had this trench coat. <laughs> yeah. And it worked. It yep. completely worked. People were so afraid of that garment that they, <laughs> yeah. they like they weren't scared yeah. of me. They were scared of this yeah. particular. I used to wear it in summer, you know. I, it, I've got one with all sorts of metal holes cut out the side yep. of it with rings and such. Like they're yeah. beautiful, beautiful things to have. I remember I wore it to my grandfather's house, and he went, "Oh, John, that's a wonderful great coat." And of course, mm. he was happy. You know, he served in the Second World War, so for him, he was like, "Oh, that's standard issue. That's yeah. great." <laughs> and the best thing, the best thing about it was the first trench coat I had wasn't black, it was navy blue. Right, but people were still like you know, diving into hedges. <laughs> yeah. Oh, careful, he, may, he might have a shotgun, you know. Jesus, so, he's got a little bit of colour. Yeah, wow. so when I, um, yeah, so when I started, uh, I don't know, I was very, very neurotic um, about the idea of doing comedy at all. And I didn't really know what it was for like because you, you think you think comedy is to make people laugh but then you overthink that because you think well how does that happen yeah. and then you're like well that's stupid because of course everyone can make someone else laugh you know whether yeah. it's unconsciously or, you know on some level we do yeah. and I immediately overthought it which was my first impulse in everything when I was a teenager was I immediately overthought it yeah. I went on stage I had one good gig that was the first gig was really good 
and then the second gig I completely died and because of that I totally overreacted to the idea and I created a character and the character was meant to be what an edgy 17 year old finds funny it was meant to be a bit of a political satire yeah. and it, it was I was a fundamentalist Baptist minister um, <laughs> uh, and whose name was Father Clancy Auschwitz uh, <laughs> the, the idea was to offend as many people as possible and, uh, but, and the joke was meant to be one that Clancy was an idiot Right. Yeah, he, he he had a great lot of verbal dexterity, but he was a fool, and you know, just yeah. on the basis of being a hate monger. But he was also gay, and he would remember this every once in a while and start crying and just things like that. And I used to have a bit where I would um, I would attempt to crucify myself. Uh, I had a because I had this big wooden crucifix, and I used to carry that on stage, and that was good insurance policy because no one fucked with me. I had this weapon. And what I used to do is I would nail my foot to the stage. And this was a crap trick, right? Because it wasn't a trick. I was clearly just putting a nail between two toes and it was fine. And I ended up leaving a shoe on stage a lot. But everyone liked it. Like, well, the thing was they liked the idea that it was happening. Yeah. And every comedy club I did it in allowed it to happen, right? They all just kind of went, he's nailing something to the stage. All right then. Good on him. You didn't ask permission beforehand. Oh no! It never would have occurred to me to do so. <laughs> like, like at all, it genuinely wouldn't have occurred to me. Like yeah. I, I once turned up at a comedy club with an enormous glass fishbowl, and they went, "What are you going to do?" And I went, "Well, I'm going to get on a swivel chair, and I'm going to put this on my head, and I'm going to pretend I'm an astronaut <laughs> for a while." And it was only when I realised that the swivel chair could, I could fall and of course you know it cut my head up I already spent 80 bucks on this thing I was like, <laughs> the thing is it's not even a funny idea it was just it was just like oh I'm being weird I'm doing this that'll that'll get them like, well, no it doesn't you know people people have a right to not be sort of hassled by pretentious teenagers <laughs> it's, it's true I mean like the, the nice thing was and this is one thing that makes me really happy is that I was an embarrassing teenager an embarrassing teenage comic before the internet was really big yeah. right so because there were thousands of people like yeah. me that I could find on internet forums okay yeah. but now it's an industry and it's horrible and you know it's like kids who don't understand it's like no no you're not funny the the meme you've posted is funny yeah who wrote that I want to find me who wrote that yeah, that's yeah. the funny person yeah you know you're a consumer that's all you are yeah. you know and you know thanks very much you know the the retweet as you know a synonym for i bought your album and i listened to it you know and i yeah. did you know yeah so yeah i i've always been who i am on stage well you know as a person and it was interesting because i just went all right i'm gonna do this ah and then i was unbookable for about five years <laughs> and a friend of mine said to me, he went, the, the problem with you was that you started getting good, but the minute you got good, like halfway, like, oh, well, yes. we could probably let John do 20 minutes, uh, I then became incredibly tetchy, right? Because yeah. I made, I'd never had a lot of structure, right? Yeah. But what I did was because I suddenly started going, well, I'm going to have this joke and this joke and this joke, and yeah. I've crafted the set. When people interrupted me, the... The character, because by this time I'm in my early 20s, I was just, I'd cut all my hair off and I had um, just nice spiked hair and a nice blazer and I just looked very cute. Is that this this adorable person who at the time I had very well rounded tones for an Australian. So I was just going, oh, hello everyone. So anyway, this is happening. Ah, you know, this kind of thing. 
if you interrupted me, I, I would just break and just say, You fucking cunt! I'll come to your house! I'll kill your children! I will shove your fucking empty fetuses back up, you dead barren vagina! Right. All this stuff. And I wasn't trying to be funny, I was just genuinely angry. Um, and so they just went, Well, shit, you know. So I stayed unbookable for a while. And then. Then I, for whatever reason, I, that was it. I, I got a little schizoid because I won a comedy competition, right? And so, for pub comedy, I suddenly became very good because I could. So I, I realised at that time because I was working out and I had nice big arms, right? If I just wore a black t-shirt, was like, how are you boys? Anyway, so anyway, this is happening. Yeah, I can more, right? And just carried on like an Australian, right? that they would like me and they did and then I would do my solo shows which were about things I enjoyed like bondage and anime and things like that and then I started meshing these two things together because just for a little while I was living this weird life because the, the solo shows had fans right and the club comedy was just appreciated by people who were there for the concept of comedy not necessarily very discerning and it was trying to learn how to bring those things together and be as chaotic as I was when I was younger, right? But you're also trying to learn how to do that for yourself. You yeah. Know? Like the when I was, uh, yeah, when I was uh, the the club comic, you know, yeah. the sort of old reliable gets the job done, Mr. <laughs> Robertson. How long do you want, mate? Yeah, thirty minutes. Yeah, okay, great. Bang, 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 bang. Local reference. Bang, 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 bang. Yeah, that's right. Anyway, so this guy's mum's a jerk, huh? huh? Yeah, boom. Ah, right. Dreadful. I made so much money when I was that guy. Yeah, yeah. I was, yeah. but the thing was, I was. It was awful because I suddenly was like, "This must be good because I'm working a lot." Right. Yeah. But you know it isn't really good. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But even through that, even through that, and a, not, a young comic said this to me once, which was nice. He went, "I like the way you sneak in all this darkness to the show, and you yeah. sell them on it like it's fine." Yeah. Because when I was young, I used to come out and be like, "I'm so, I'm so weird. Look how weird I am. I'm being, I'm being weird." And then what I learned to do was be like, I'm just like you. I'm just like you, but kind of better. Yeah. Anyway, so slash your throat. <laughs> right. And yeah, I don't know. I think I think what happened was I, I sort of just I became comfortable with the idea of being liked yeah. by strangers, which I never had been. Like my whole life has, has been like, get the fuck away from me, you people. Yeah. You know, get away. I've got a trench coat. Get away. Don't you understand? I don't want to deal with you. Right? I want to deal with people who I like and people who are like me. And I want to talk to anime fans and science fiction people and people who are creative but not too pretentious with it, you know. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I, I mean, that, that still happens. Like, I was at a party and um, yeah, there was this guy and it was, it was horrible because when you... I don't know, like, you know when you see yourself in someone and you hate it, yeah. right? And you, and you hate it because you're like, no, that's the worst bit of me, right? Yeah. I was at a party and this guy came in and he had long hair and he was wearing an Edwardian frock coat. And I've got two Edwardian frock coats. <laughs> right? And he was trying to get the attention of... Uh, of my girlfriend and what he did was he went oh I've, I've just had the most tremendous idea for a sketch and, and I thought to myself at that point I was like well, well people have been paying me money for ideas for a long time 
I don't think I've ever had an idea so good that it warranted such a hideous display <laughs> in someone. The arms flailing. And also, what he didn't know is I've read his work, right? So I'm like, you haven't actually had a good idea. <laughs> what you've had is an idea you think is very good. Yeah. And, oh, it's just horrible. Yeah. Right? But, yeah, it was like, I don't know. Two nights ago, I was in Manchester, and I had to do an hour-long show, which is meant to be a preview of my new show, and I haven't written my new show, <laughs> and I used to, uh, and, you know, I used to be like, oh dear, well, I haven't written my new show, well, that's okay, I always liked the idea that comedy was improvised, you find out 13 years into the game, you can actually do that, that actually works yeah. out fine, yeah. so I did, it was lovely, <laughs> it's really nice. You know, we had a great show. I performed a stunt. That was fun. Yeah. You know, did all that. I've been crowd surfing for years, but this was this was better because there was a balcony above the stage, right? And as it turned out, sitting behind the balcony were the sponsors of the club, and it was Jamison's, the whiskey brand. Yeah. And I started attacking them because how dare they sit in this beautiful area while the sad, hard-working proletariat <laughs> have to be down here, you know, how dare they? And so this meant that one of them leant over with a, uh, like, a quarter bottle full of Jamison's black and handed it to me, right? And so I suggested, perhaps, that what I would do after a given interval of time would be that I would vault this balcony, right? And <laughs> what I was going to do is, because the guys from Jamison, there were nine of them, they were all crammed in this one end of the couch because there was one guy sitting with his legs all spread, right? Yeah. So what I said was I was going to jump over the balcony, run past the sponsors and punch this man in the cock. <laughs> and the Manchester audience seemed very keen. On that Manchester they would. Oh, they yeah. were very excited by this idea, but I, I did it as a bit of barter with them, right? Because I'd been talking about how what I mostly do now is I notice things about people, right? And that happens all the time. My mother told me I wasn't observant when I was a child. As it turns out, if you make a career for a decade on insulting people, <laughs> you learn a lot. You learn a lot about what people are. So I started attacking a guy with a hat, right? And then he seemed to be punching his friend in the penis, right? <laughs> and I said, well, what are you doing? And he said, I'm just giving him a little prod. And so I said, well, I've never heard that verb, you know. <laughs> yeah. Who actually gives someone a prod? Okay, so I, I made a deal with the crowd, which was that I was going to go down to him, right, and I'd give him a little prod. And at that point, everyone had to give everyone a little prod. Or if they could, they could get to him and they give him a big old prod. And when, when the whole theatre was a sea of prodding, <laughs> oh, you know, of people, and they really had to do it. You know, I really wanted to see black and blue. Yeah. You know, I wanted to see, I wanted to see a misplaced fingering, like, you know, like just right in the, you know, right in the nipple or something. You know, just there, oh, right in the hip. There, that's what you want. You know, that kind of thing. I wanted to hear fingers cracking and all this sort of stuff. And I was like, all right, you do all of that, and I will drain the last of the Jamisons. Then I will leap over this balcony and I will punch this man. And I did. I mean, that was it. They just, they prodded, prodded, prodded. Whoa, jump, jump, whoa, pow! And then downstairs, took three curtain calls. Like, you know, three. You know, I bowed, left, still clapping, back, bowed, left, still clapping, back. Wonderful. Do you like that chaos? Very much. Because the dark room is, is you. madness. Well, I love chaos. Well, chaos, is, chaos is a wonderful thing. Because what I am, 
at my best is a party host. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. And not not a host like a stand-up host, because I, I don't do this. I don't, you know, where are you from? Or what do you do? Or anything like that. I, yeah. That's of no interest. Yeah. <laughs> I, I give you a role, and then you live it. And everyone lives it. Mm. And that's been, that's been really nice. It's something my grandmother said to me, because she went, well, people like things that are about them. This, this was her identifying the problem with me earlier, which is people like things that are about them. And, of course, the problem with advice from the elderly is that you should probably listen to it immediately. Yes. Yeah. And you should probably, like, kind of sift through it until you actually understand it, rather than yeah. going, oh, shut up, Gran, you don't know anything. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, because she was right. Because, fuck, at the time, I think I, I would have... Oh, God. Oh. I hesitate to think what the fuck I was talking about when I started uni. I know exactly what I was talking about. I was talking about being beaten up at school because everyone thought I was gay. But I never found anything funny to say about it. I'd just be like, so they used to beat me up at school because they thought I was gay. Like, good. Well, now the audience is upset. Now the audience is like, they feel bad for you. You seem quite angry about it. You should really work on that, you know. And then, you know whereas I should have been, you know, something along the lines of, Oh, they used to beat me up at school, you know, because they thought that I was gay. I mean, I was buggering them at the time, you know. <laughs> they couldn't fight me off. I'm supernaturally strong. But to be fair, I'm also adorable. You can't punch this when I'm already behind you. You know, something, just anything. Yeah. I mean, that, that, that was me coming up with that just now, you know. So just anything would have been good. I don't yeah. know, yeah. So, yeah, and long answer to your earlier question. Ah, that's great. Uh, yeah, I'm the same on stage. Yeah, yeah, which is nice. Well, um, we're finding that now. I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, yeah. Well, I ran into a comic yesterday. We'd been on the, you know, on the mega bus together. He'd been asleep out the back, you know, and I, he ran into me, and he told a joke, and I mustn't have thought it was me. So I just kind of went, just nodded, like I, <laughs> well, you know, like I understood that some information had yeah, passed there, me. There was, and, there was a concept to what he was saying. Yeah, and then I, then I made a joke. And he smiled, and he went, oh, you're always on, aren't you? And it was that moment of going, well, you're the one, don't be an idiot. You're the one who just, you know, came up to me, like, oh, I've got a funny thing to say. Oh, you know, I was like, oh, okay. You know, the, di- the difference was that he found what I said funny, and I don't have a lot of time for him. Though. That's not true. He's very, nice. Yeah, it's perfectly nice, man. We've met twice. <laughs> Does it make it like not a job because you're what? being yourself? Um, so you're, are you heightened yeah. or? Mm. Well, it's not um, it's not a hassle. Yeah. It's like it's not, it's not a bad thing as long as. Uh, yeah, actually, that's a really good point because it used to be work. Yeah. Like I used to go to work. You know, when it was like, I'm going to go now to... Because I was talking to what I thought the audience was. And what I thought the audience was, was a group of really violent men. That's that's what I thought the audience was. It's like some some comics get worried because they think that... um, Particularly male comics get worried because they think that women are going to deride them. You know, on some level, like yeah. I've, I've seen some people who, you know, when they're starting off, they actually they're quite neurotic about this. There'll be some sort of female condemnation. Like you can't worry 
because it doesn't actually matter what that audience thinks because you're making them think yeah. you know that that's it like if somebody hates you uh, that may be your fault or not at all or it's probably got a lot more to do with them you know so yeah, yeah. which is fine and if it de- if it degenerates into they're telling you that they hate you you should let them know that it's got a lot more to do with them and then explain exactly what their problems are <laughs> loudly for everyone to see and they'll all agree that's the nice thing as long as they didn't all hate you and yeah so no it's not it's not work anymore even even like the, the only work is getting to the show and the yeah. and the admin around the show like you know chasing the money or uh or, yeah just or, or sometimes just like dealing with people because you'll have the people who genuinely like and appreciate your work and they'll give you everything that you actually require and then you have like say the the guy who maybe doesn't understand how it's going to work and so they give you you know the wrong thing like we're just going to put you over here in the corner uh the band will be on while you're on uh everyone's going to be eating you know that that kind of thing or um or you know when you when you turn up and you discover that no one did any publicity or you know like I, i did a show once with a very good australian actor tom gleason and the promoter told us that the previous month they'd had a thousand people at this venue and we walked into this pub and there are no pubs in rural Australia that can seat a thousand people and we went into this pub and there were 14 chairs in front of the stage and that that is and the nice thing about it was that was clearly how many chairs they had that was as good as it was going to get they pulled out all the stops for you and they tried their best yeah it was 14 and uh, the guy just walked around going, oh, I don't know what's happened. I don't know what's happened. I was like, well, unless an enormous arena nearby has burned down. <laughs> and we, because we didn't even fill that 14 people. And Tom at the time, because the entire tour was off the back of him, he was at the height of his fame. So he was baffled, you know, because like he, he could, at that time, I think Tom said to me that at that time he could probably do a week in the Sydney Opera House, Ooh. right? Which was lovely. You know, he, he didn't specify whether he meant the studio or the big space. I'm suspecting the studio, because um, why not? <laughs> it's a bit of fun to do a week there. It may, it may as well be the studio. That would actually be a better space. Uh, but he, he was just like, well, what? You know, because he was on TV every week. And because at the time, Australia only had two comedy shows on the television. He was on both of them every week. So why the fuck? What, what do you mean we can't fill 14 chairs in Bunbury in Western Australia? What do you mean? And then he found the poster, and it was the size of a fucking. It was genuinely a postage stamp. It was an a, it was A5, you know, so oh, half, yeah. half A4. I don't think it even had a picture of him on it. It didn't explain who he was. Yeah. And as I remember, it was on the back of the door. <laughs> Absolutely incredible. I have been. I, prefer, I mean, I've been all over Europe. I've been in Lithuania. I've performed in derelict bars in Budapest. I've been everywhere. But the nice thing about, like, if you do an independent club show in Germany, right, when you go to the toilet, every surface has comedy and the, an explanation of what the show will be and your name and an explanation as to why you'd like to come see this yeah. and they'll draw a crowd yeah. and that's yeah. in you know that's in a country where English is uniformly while it's taught in schools it's still considered to be a second language yeah. and the concept of comedy in English you know is a jump yeah. right yeah. but they will absolutely sell the ass off it whereas 
yeah, when you run into that pure level of incompetence, it's just, <laughs> it's utterly deadening. There's nothing yeah. to be, there's nothing to be done other than my usual thing, which is to get as close to the audience as possible and shout really loud. <laughs> and that cheers them up. I noticed you did using that technique with a 12-year-old earlier. Yep. Has that ever caused you any trouble? No. Because <laughs> I, I genuinely felt slightly tense that there would be an angry parent just explode. From yeah. Somewhere. No. Parents know that what I'm doing is fun. Yeah. I mean, you got to... What, what he's talking about is when I do the dark room, I'm wearing enormous platform boots and I'm wearing leather trousers and I've got a leather corset on and I've got this enormous piece of body armor with genuine spikes coming off it and I'm lit with the torch under my chin and I'm talking like that. This is a ridiculous combination, yeah. right? Because it's not actually frightening. It's a pantomime level of scary. Yeah. Yeah. And parents, like, I don't think parents real like most of them don't want you know to blow up in front of their children yeah, right? yeah. what what they want and they become experts on this if, if they're you know if they're real if, they, if they're able to and not everyone is and that's fine you know you get those parents who are very good at knowing the taste of their child yeah okay like that kid's dad knew full well that child was having a great time yeah right because he was and I mean I made a kid cry once and that was just me saying you're very quiet and he kind of went you know like that and it wasn't because I pointed at him he clearly been told he's quiet at school you know and so he kind of went like that and the mother just made a kind of you know just kind of just a little kind of leave him and I went all right and then I just went past later on and just tossed a prize into his lap you know and the mother was like there we are thank you you know that's sorted yeah no trouble there yeah. And that's fine. I mean, especially especially with children. I mean, you know, because the child, you don't insult children. You you yeah. build them up. Yeah. All right. Because you can make a reference that you know the idea is the child doesn't understand the reference. That's not necessarily very funny to do. Yeah. What What's funny to do is relate to the child, but also, you know, there's clearly the sense of you're actually quite dangerous, but you've just <laughs> taken a moment. From being dangerous to be very kind to this child, which you could, of course, murder at any time. Yeah. But you've taken this moment instead to be lovely to the kid, and people yeah. like that. And then, of course, you just yell at the child, and the kids think it's great. Yeah. Well, the thing is, they know you're not angry. Yeah. Kid, kids love playing. You know. They, yeah. They know the difference. Yeah. I mean, I say that at any at any moment, some you know little child could just start weeping <laughs> at any at any time. But yeah. we've we've been pretty lucky thus far. That fa fairly spirited bunch of kids come to the dark room. I think if the, the parents are bringing them to see you, they probably know how the show's going to go. Yeah, they're whether, pretty aware. Whether their kid is going to be able to handle it or will just suddenly go, oh, my yeah. kid doesn't like this. Oh, it's well, that's fine. I mean, you know, when if the kid doesn't like it, just take the kid out. That's yeah. that's okay. Well, yes, yeah. And people do that. Yeah, you know, people do that. I've seen I've seen people take their kid out and they look at me apologetically and it's sort of like, oh, it's fine. You know, they, yeah. your child is having an awful time. Get rid of it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's okay. I'll gladly take that. It's totally, totally reasonable. You know, I'd, I'd much, oh God, I'd much rather that than have a parent who's like, shut up, Jimmy, shut up. We're going to watch it. We're going to enjoy it. Yeah. You are going to like this, Dad. Yeah. Well, it's, it's like yeah. when I was a, when I was a kid, my mum went, Snow White came back to the cinema. Disney Snow White. My mum took me. What's the first thing you see? It's the evil witch's face. And I apparently, I was two, and I went, I'm out of here. And I left. That was it. I just went, nah. <laughs> 
straight out of the cinema. I was terrified. Gave my yeah. mum nightmares, apparently. That Did it? Yeah. Well, when I left. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, wait, really? What? What? What's Snow White? <laughs> uh, yes. Um, she. It's. She remembers it from her childhood, the first time it came out. Yeah. Um, we should all get much closer. Yeah. And as when the, the um, <laughs> yep. witch revealed herself, she screamed in the yeah. cinema and had to be taken home and had nightmares for a week, apparently. That's utterly bloody terrifying. Yeah. But then, you know, like kid, kids are only scared by what they're scared by. And an increasingly small number of children find themselves at night menaced by large, you know, large thesps, you know, oh, hello, oh, you know, that's, that's not happening to them constantly. No, no, that's that's not a, a thing that occurs in the real world. Yeah, at all. Well, it probably does. I mean, you know, we don't want to, yeah. <laughs> Actually, to be fair, isn't that nice that Savile never worked in the theatre? Because <laughs> otherwise, that could have made a hell of a point. But yeah, no, but the thing is, they know, they know that I'm a villain. Yes. Right, and that's it. And yeah. it, it's interesting that they don't like children don't boo me. I guess pantos aren't as popular anymore. Yeah, you know, like no, probably not. No, no like not, they, not they were they were when I was a kid. Yeah, well, you know, like because really with with English and Scots children, you know, and the Welsh and the Irish, I should be coming out as that character and should ha hear these children be like, ooh, hiss. Yeah. I don't know. Have you seen anything good? Um, we've gone to see the thing I've liked the most actually is um, Lantern, which is um, like a Cthulhu based game. Cool. We play cooperatively, trying to find some relics and stop some rituals and something tentacles. Sounds good. Um, and if you lose your sanity and get too panicky, you turn to a monster and then hassle everybody else through the rest of the game, which is always good. Sounds good. Yeah, it's really cool. It's, I, I like games where I can I can be nice to people for a little while and I get fucked off with them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Lovely idea. Yeah. How did you find the pandemic game anyway? Cause, um, well, yeah, I don't know. It's perfectly fun. I'm certain that given the given the right atmosphere, that pandemic must be great. You know, it must get wonderfully tense. Yeah. So that's good. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't know. I, I've got this terrible problem with these things where I. I play the games and I kind of fall in love with them really easily and so I'm like, oh, well now we must have that. Yeah. And then, yeah, I mean, it, it's a bit of an ordeal sometimes. Like, all my friends now, I've realised, are board game guys and card game guys. Yeah. And they do that all the time, they do that at parties, but I'm still the kind of guy who's like, well, why don't we just all drink and fuck each other? You know, why do we have to... That's not a lot of unfair points, to be honest. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. it was that moment of, like, having, you know, you have pretty girls around the house, and they're like, well, let's all play a game of flux. And you're like, no! <laughs> How about let's stop that? <laughs> stop it at once. Come over here and have a whipping or something, you know. It's... Anyway. Oh, there you go, that's the market for future board games, guys. Well, no. <laughs> no. no, I know what you yeah. mean, though. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes... It's all right to have like a game yeah. every week, is sort of thing. If you can actually, yeah, I don't know. That's that's just my kind of. I, it's weird. Even though I've been playing card games, uh, you know, at parties with friends, and yeah. you know, like people come around the house for that. I'm, I'm currently doing this sort of immature thing of being like, no, 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 that's the dying of the light, you know. If, but then we just have the best time, you know. When, when we do, like we, yeah. good cop, bad cop. It's a fantastic game. Can try that. It's, it's really so happy. good. Yeah. Oh, as a party. Well, no, I say party game. I mean dinner party. You know, it's just a few friends round. Yeah. I, my my good friend Josh just gave me a really nice. Um, what was it? What's it called? A tiny epic. It's where you're. Um, 
you're the commander of a starship and you're trying to take over a galactic empire and okay. everyone tries and yeah that seems like that's going to be i brought it with me to have a play so yeah. that seems like that'll be really fun uh oh hello there you go thank you so much more recorder league yeah so that's been good but yeah, like last year i just went home with a stack of games and we've you know we've played most of them but there, there's some like um, Anomia, the, the Mensa game that oh, yeah. I just can't convince anyone, you know, yeah. to play with me. And Red Seven, I can't like I tried. I'm there going, come on guys, it's like you know, and they're like, no, it isn't. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. That that kind of got the big kibosh. But they really liked um, Pooh, the card game. Oh yeah, no, that, yeah. Tinker Taylor, they really like that. They're big fans of. Love letter, love letter gets yeah. It's always that's nice and quick. It's yeah, well, well, when new people come around my house, I just tend to bust that out, and you know, we just have a little game. Yeah, it just gives them something to do and keeps the hands occupied. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, I, I find myself increasingly being like, if you come to my house, then I, I really want you to be entertained with as little effort from me as possible, and yeah. so that helps. Yeah, you know, because it, it, it just says, all right, we are doing something. So yeah, that's, that's fun. We do have the Game of Thrones board game, but we don't, I mean, we live in an apartment in London, we don't have the space for that. <laughs> yeah, no, we had all our friends quite obsessed with uh, Twilight Imperium, I don't know oh. if you've seen that. Oh, yeah. It's like, let's spend four hours setting the border. No, I'm just no. going. An, an incredible looking game, though. It does look like, I, I love the concept. It's like, oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, some pals of mine are the guys who made Luchador, uh, the wrestling, uh, well, yeah, the, just the wrestling combat dice game. Yeah, yeah. And that's great. That's really fun. Although, like, you, ha you, have, to, you have to get into it to enjoy it. Like, you have to be prepared to, to be jumping around and messing with it. Yeah, I mean, that's really fun. Yeah? Yeah, I can recommend that. But I haven't played... No, I haven't played... I, I did a four-hour RPG session last night. We were playing Cold City. I'd never played that. It was great. Yeah. Because some friends of mine booked it, so I didn't know what we were going in for. And I got a message from my wife who'd uh, had a look at the program and thought maybe I was going to do this Star Trek holodeck thing. Yeah. And so I love Star Trek. So I'm like, great, great, great. And then we get in and it's like, all right, so the Cold War has ended differently and... There are Nazi scientists everywhere. I was like, well, hang on, hey, hey, oh, don't you mean Khan and the eugenics wars? <laughs> no? Right. Turns out that uh, the Cold City game that we played, fabulous. Really great, um, terrifying alternate history, 1946, great stuff, you know. I was, a, uh, I was an enormous Russian soldier who'd been possessed by a dead former Nazi who was a repentant Nazi. <laughs> about his, you know. So I played him like a good guy, but of course, well, no, you're not a good guy. Someone who realises the error of their ways after millions of people die. Oh, I can't believe it! How? That was that? such a prick. Oh, yeah. yeah, oh no, it never even occurred. Oh, hello. Why am I putting that there? Yes, that's These all right. are obviously fucked. You can have that if you like. No, I don't. I, no, no, that's fine. It's just, I, yeah. I'm being overly British and trying to be too nice. Oh, you're being lovely. Well, something I really, speaking of too nice, I mean, the guys from the UK Games Expo are just charming. Yeah. Because yeah. what they do is they, they think, they think that they've booked me for a really busy full-on day. And they're, they're so nice. 
you know, they're like, oh, John, you know, you, you know, like yesterday I do one show, and then today I'll do two shows, and we'll do Pandemic Live, and they're like, oh, that's, you know, and then tomorrow I do a sci-fi quiz, I interview Colin Baker, and then I do Darkroom, right? And they think that this is busy. Yeah. <laughs> and of course, you're like, well, that's, that's about three hours of work. That's, that's all that is. That's lovely. It's nice to do. Yeah. Well, it's a geek convention. They've seen you in the room running around. So we're not used to that kind of yeah. thing. Well, Energy, no. no. Well, it's, it's good to run at conventions. Because <laughs> you're excited. Exactly. And you want, you want to see things. And you want to, you want to talk to people. Yes. And then, then you want to get away from other people. You know, all that kind of... We've, we've all lived through that. It looks really. What you do is really on te- intense on stage. Yeah. And it, I, I expected you to be absolutely knackered. No, no. I. Uh, He's healthy. That's. I'm not that healthy. I can. <laughs> I can. Go, I'm usually quite convinced I'm dying, and it's interesting that the the cause constantly changes. Like at one point, I was convinced I had cancer. I didn't go to the doctors or anything. It was just a nice kind of like, oh dear, it might be this. Yeah. And then I thought I had brain damage, which isn't even fatal. So I don't know why I was worrying about that. And then I was, I was like, oh, I must, I simply must have AIDS. That's that's what it is. <laughs> it's a kind of weird, inactive hypochondria. Yeah. What one that just says, oh well, look, there has to be. I think my brain, on some level, has agreed that on, you know, something somewhere has to be wrong. Yeah. And it, it's not like. At least it's not totally destructive. Like, I, I won't do this. I won't be like, everything's going so well. I'm suspicious of it. I must seek out the source of the success and ruin it. Right? Instead, what it does, it goes, everything's going so well. Well, clearly I've got the Black Plague. You know, which is a stupid thing. But anyway, uh, yeah. No, I'm not even remotely healthy. But, yeah, conventions are great. You sh- and you should run around. Like, if you... Yeah. If you get the if you get the chance, if you're staying in a hotel room and the corridor's empty or maybe there's just one other person, why wouldn't you want to run to your hotel room? Yeah. Because the sound of air going past your ears in a hotel corridor makes you feel like you're running a lot faster than you are. And all those doors are so close together, so you seem to be making a great deal of progress very quickly. It's a great thing to do. It feels terrific. And I always get happy because I've been doing that since I was 14 at these things. So I'm just like, yeah, yeah I'm a kid. Yeah, I'm going to go stay at my friend Mel and Ken's room and they're going to fart and it's going to be funny. Yeah. They were a beautiful married couple. They got married later. But they used to, like, they were just very nice to me. And they took me to these things and they, they took me to see They Might Be Giants in concert when I was underage. And they, they didn't even smuggle me past the bouncer. The, the guy's like, oh, you know... Uh, Oh, he's 15, and my mate Ken is just fucking huge. All right, he works in IT. He's a gentle giant. He just sort of leant forward and I paid for his ticket, and he's going in. <laughs> <laughs> and the bouncer agreed that yes, because a sort of unnecessarily large amount of violence seemed to be about to happen, and it was all going to be in his direction. It was great, and yeah, like so. Every time I run, you know, and have a great at a convention, I'm, rem- I'm I'm just sort of living that as well. I'm not even yeah. trying to live it. It's just like God. 
You know, no one in their, no one in the world should get excited by the smell of a science fiction convention. <laughs> but I genuinely do. There's that moment going. That's a bit musty. Ah, uh, I smell old trade paperbacks. And, you know, like, oh man. You know, like at some point or another, you'll meet some crusty old dickhead who's wearing a convention shirt from 1977, and he's walking around with a really well-thumbed copy of the Gore books. You know, <laughs> that sort of thing. And I get quite excited to see that. It's always fun. Yeah. I mean, very few books here, mostly games, but that's fine. Yeah. At least they're all sociable. Yeah, true. Are you into games yourself? I am a bit. I was just telling him. Yeah. We play, like, we play games. We don't, I'm not, like, I'm not obsessive about it. Although I will, like, when I was playing Pandemic, I, you know, I, I fall in love with games that are fun. Right. Yeah. And so then I'm like, well, I must have this. And then the problem then becomes taking that home to the audience, which yeah. is like, all right, well, wife and our friends, who wants to play this? Right. Because yeah. most of the time, if I'm an, I can't really be bothered doing anything, but I will, I will like get out a simple game. Yeah, I will be like, hello, you've just come to the house the first time. We're going to play a game of Love Letter now, just so we have something to do. Yeah. Right. Okay. And that's lovely. That experience with, like, oh, did I win? Or, oh, that's that. And, you know, we have all a good time. You know, used to be big in my house. We, you know, boom. Yeah. I mean, I've been playing board games and card games since I was a kid, but there's no, like, dedicated, all right, guys, once a week the gaming group gets together and we're going to continue this campaign. We don't do that. No. Yeah. No, I. I've sort of, yeah, long-form role-playing, I, I flunked out of entirely. I don't have the patience, I just I just don't care. Because <laughs> the first thing Joe said when we left was like, yeah. I want that guy to be my DM. Ah, oh, <laughs> oh, yeah. I know, I'm good at... The weird thing is, I'm good at control. Right, I'm good at controlling people. Yeah. And I'm good at anarchy, right? And I can control people by creating anarchy. Yeah. And sort of defining the terms in which you might behave in this anarchy that I've created, inverted commas there, you know. Yeah. We've been watching a lot of Aeon Flux in my house lately. Yeah. You know, right? Yeah. Yeah, the anima, yeah, beautiful. And in the, uh, at the opening of it, there's a fabulous, fabulous exchange, which is, um, you're out of control, I take control, you're over the edge. I am the edge. <laughs> and it's just great. And a, a small part of me that thinks I'm infinitely smarter and more talented than I am becomes profoundly erect whenever that exchange occurs <laughs> and goes, that's me. <laughs> it's probably more what I'd like to be than anything else. It's just a nice idea. Yeah. Do you think gamers respond particularly well to what you do because you're giving them that role yes. to play? That oh, absolutely. Parameter. Like, yeah, gamers particularly, and not... Not video game people, okay. Gamers, as in board gamers and role players, respond to the idea that this is a game, yeah. right? And they don't try to cheat because they're used to playing to a particular set of rules, right? Yeah. And that's that's the weird thing is everybody brings their own experience to a show, yeah. like magicians, magicians and professional wrestlers, like the dark room. Yeah. The professional wrestlers like it because they're actually skilled in duplicity. Yeah. That's their thing. So they're always looking for the trick. And so are the magicians. They want to know, you know, you must be trying to trick the audience because that's what we do. So therefore, that must be what you're doing, yeah. right? Comedians come to it and they go, oh, it's just, like, so if, if they're dismissive of it, they're like, oh, it's just crowd work. It's just crowd work. 
you know, he's just talking to them. I was like, ah, you know, stand-up has always been a bastard offshoot of acting. That's yeah. all it is. Yeah, you know, yeah. congratulations, punk. You can't act. You can talk to people. A job in customer service awaits, you know. Get in there. What a great salesman you'd be if you didn't hate yourself so much. Right? That kind of thing. Um, but, yeah, board gamers and strategy guys, they get, they're very excited and they like the jokes, but there's also an underlying sense of we're going to try and win. Yeah. Video game guys also do that, but it takes them a little bit more prompting like they have to they think it's all very funny and they're having a good time but they're the audience that okay they chant like they all get into chants and they get into the group thing right Mm. but they're the audience who are most likely to have somebody quibble and kind of be like no I win no I win like that it's like you know because they on, on some level right you know games that you play now when a bit's too hard especially on console will ask do you want to skip this yeah yeah, yeah and that yeah. kind of infects it you know they're, so they're, they're made for you to win that's right yeah. you know it's yeah. it's a world designed entirely to your whims yeah. you know rather than look as long as you learn these rules you can manipulate this in so many ways right yeah of course that's exactly what a video game is but it appears to be invisible yes. you know yeah that's it. it it seems like this is all for you and what it really is this is a bunch of code yeah. that's what you've got here yeah. there's only a finite amount of things that can be done here yeah. right many of which have been predetermined by us and yet there's still an illusion of freedom and some yes. people buy into that yeah. and they buy into that idea of well I bought it so I should win yeah. and that's silly and you know we don't get too much of that but it is interesting to note that um, here I think the crowd just kind of invests and they have fun, and as the and also because it's you know booked over several days, we'll get return business of people who are like, well, I saw that bit, so I'm coming. Yeah, right? yeah. And you get that with video game guys too. Maybe the one difference is that a small minority of the video game guys will quibble, the rest of them carry on like you guys do. So there we are. Yeah. What do you do mostly in you know, in between apart from playing with your pants? Oh right, well. Mm. It's more accurate than you'll ever know. <laughs> <laughs> do, you do, a lot of, do you do a lot of the press type stuff? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, um, I'm, I'm on tour constantly, uh, which is nice. You know, sometimes I go and I'm in comedy clubs and I go and I do that. And one of the joys in my life is where I live in London, there are several comedy clubs within walking distance and I headline all of them. <laughs> so it's very nice, you know, yeah. like to be like, well, I'm just going to walk down the road now and I'm going to do this and here comes the money and I go home. It's a lovely experience. And the nice thing about living in London as well is that when I'm doing a dark room in London, I can probably also walk there. Yeah. So, or, you know, it's just an Uber or something and you you go and you do the show in the big city and you make some money and you have a great time and you come back, you know. Yeah. And yeah, aside from that, like, touring around the UK is a wonderful, wonderful thing to do. Uh, I can seriously strongly recommend it just as something to do as long as as long as when you arrive somewhere there's an audience and the nice thing is that for whatever reason usually there is for me and I don't I don't particularly know why that is I mean but it it happens like because I the thing that I pride myself on is I don't have I don't have much money 
I used to pride myself on the idea that I'd somehow earned a lot of money. Yeah. Then I did my tax and I turned out I'd earned fuck all. <laughs> I just had no idea, right? I, I was earning a comfortable living. Yeah. So what we do is we don't we don't spend money on advertising ever for my shows. Okay. The closest thing that we do is we might buy some flyers. Yeah. And there's just something about like going down to the Brighton Fringe, and you didn't advertise the show. Like nothing you did cost you money. Yeah. There were maybe two Facebook posts, a mail out on my mailing list, and a couple of tweets. And you turn up and you're like, well, there's a hundred people here. Where the fuck did they come from? <laughs> and, like, and they've all, they all know the show. They've all heard of the show. And all they've heard of me. That's wonderful. Yeah. And like, go to Manchester and it's like, all right, there's a hundred people here. And they've all heard of it and they've heard of me. And in fact, sometimes I go to Manchester. I love going to Manchester because everyone who comes to Manchester comes up to me afterwards and goes, I was at the last show, so now I'm here. Like, oh, wonderful. Okay. Yeah. Go to Leeds. 100 people sell that out. I mean, these don't sound like big numbers, but when they say these things add up, they do. Because it's like, went to Birmingham for uh, insomnia at the NEC, you know, just where we are. Yeah. And you turn up and you're like, well, that's 600 people. And they all know the show. Yeah. And they, how the fuck did that happen? <laughs> and the one thing you can guess is it's like, okay, people talk about it, you know, or they, you know, and that's, that's nice, or they saw the show and then, yeah, it's, it's lovely. What a nice, small, easy to travel island you have. Yes, yes. Except I've got to go to Tenmouth on, oh, shit, on Friday. If you're going to tour, lovely as it is, don't go to Devon. (laughs) Don't go to Devon or Cornwall. The people there are tremendous. I've got fans out there who are lovely people. Yeah. Everywhere's a fucking nightmare to get to. Yeah. There are no trains. No. Yeah. Once you get to Exeter, it's like God said there's nothing left. Yeah. <laughs> this might be beautiful pastoral countryside, but it got that way by not having any public transport. Yeah. Yeah. I had to cancel a gig at um oh god, I can't even remember where it was. I went to Westwood Ho at one point, you know, the furthermost western point in this country. Yeah. Had a great time. I don't drive. My wife drove 16 hours all up so we could do the show. We fell asleep somewhere on a beach. You know, we just parked the car and slept because we were so knackered. Oh, I'm actually really bothered I have to go there. Let's fuck <laughs> Oh, well, it doesn't matter. It'll be right. I remember we stayed at Twelop Farm in Cornwall once, in, a, in where we used to caravan when we were kids. Yeah. And it was a 45-minute drive to the, set, the closest shop, yep. so yep. we could get food. Which, and there was nothing. There was nothing for the 45 minutes in between. It was fields, fields. Oh look, there's a tree that's bent at a 45-degree angle because yep. it's just taken the wind. And, and and that was it. That was the scenery. Beautiful, but it was going. Where's, where's humanity? Yeah, where? Did, oh, did we lose it? Some people like that, though. They like to be away from... Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I mean, it was a great holiday, but I don't drive. I would not go to Cornwall <laughs> as a result because I don't drive. Yeah. Well, that, yeah, that, that sort of thing is very beautiful. Um, hang on, there we go. Puts that down there. Yeah, that, that sort of stuff. I get, I get unnerved by that. But the nice thing about not being in Australia any further is that 
don't know, I was staying in the country once and I borrowed a bicycle and I said that I was just going to pedal to the next town because it's not actually that far. And I was told to be very, very careful and it turned out that as you know, it's like just the thinnest road in the world. <laughs> right, so the first thing I did was I got on the bike and one car went by and I fell off the bike because it was too close. And I was just like, whoa, and you know, I fell into a ditch. You know, genuinely like everything I've ever seen in old English movies. You know? like, okay, this is how that is. This is your trouble. Whereas in Australia, you get in a friend's car to go to a gig in the country and you go, well, look, I'd like a piss. And he goes, all right. You pull over at the side of the road, bearing in mind you were going at 120 kilometres an hour. You only find that out when you hit the gravel and, you know, all right, all right. You get out of the car, you jump into the bush, and then suddenly you realise, well, there's fucking spiders everywhere. <laughs> what a horrible place. <laughs> you know, we, why did we... We should have just wound down the windows and poked ourselves out. <laughs> Fucking dreadful. Nice thing about her. Uh, I, is he coming back? Supposedly, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, he's, up, he's outside at the moment. Oh, is he talking Dice Masters for someone? Yeah. Oh. Oh. Uh, he's come here to play tournaments. Change this card so it has one slightly different stat in it for this other card. So <laughs> 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 we started talking about when I'm going back inside, Joe. There's drinks inside. Yes. Drinks are a safe place. Yeah. Oh, I tried to show interest, but I was drunk at the time, so I wasn't actually listening. Trying to show interest is a horrible thing, isn't it? <laughs> Foolish English habit. Uh, no, we've all had to do it. It's dreadful. <laughs> you never. The thing is, you, you. I don't know why. I mean, you boys have had to do it so far during this chat, but why we feel it's necessary. Like, particularly, like, why is it so important? Oh, well, to pay attention to what... Well, to, to at least pretend we're listening. Well, yeah, like, when someone's just clearly... I mean, that is a good point, because, I mean, we've, what, known Joe ten years. Shut up, Colin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, see, why don't we do that more? Yeah, I don't... There's this idea of, well, we must... We must spare someone's feelings. And that's, I mean, that's lovely. Like, some people won't. And it, I don't know, I mean, if, <laughs> I suppose it's this. We must spare someone's feelings. And if you aren't going to, you kind of need to be really good at that. Yes. I, I, don't, yeah. I don't think we're ever concerned that if I upset you, oh, yeah. it's really bad you're upset. Yeah. What we go is, I've upset you, you think I'm a dick, and I don't want you to think I'm a dick. I see. So we're actually sparing our own feelings. Ah, you, yes, you think it's a terminal condition. Yeah. You don't want to be considered in that way. I, yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, oh, that's it. You don't, you don't mind performing the action. You just don't want the symptom of the action. Yeah. yeah. So you need to take this criticism. I'm actually helping you. Oh yeah. But, but even then, even then, you have to be so good at selling it. Yeah. And no one is. No. I mean, and this is the internet's problem. <laughs> yeah. You know, entirely. Like here's somebody go. I just call it like I see it. I'm like, can you write? <laughs> can you write? You know, produce for me a sentence that potentially hasn't existed before. Yeah. Show me that you can convey exactly the idea that you have with exactly the level of nuance you wish to. Because then, then no doubt, you'll be able to solve whatever that person's problem is in a paragraph on Facebook. <laughs> and until you can't do that, 
you know, until you can, what you what people do is they always seem to be tilting or tilting, right, at a really big target that isn't exactly what's being spoken about. Yeah. And it's strange because you get guys who will go, Oh well, I think this. Okay, like a guy getting angry. I don't know, get, getting angry at me, right, because I mentioned Donald Trump on a gaming TV show, right? And so, why is he angry? First, like, oh, oh you, you make crap jokes about Donald Trump. Look, like, I think I mentioned him, you know, like, not a joke as much as he was mentioned, right? Yeah. I did a very good joke about John F. Kennedy, right? And then what happened was this guy then, because he's gone nuts. He's genuinely like, yeah, I told you, this, this is the guy who was happy that my show got cancelled. Yeah. He's genuinely written down, right? I told you what would happen, didn't I? I told you if you had to stay away from politics and now look what's happening, you won't be missed. Like that's like, well, wow, okay. This one man, seriously, is just a small bloke, must have gone, well, I actually quite like this Donald Trump person. Well, people are hanging shit on him all the time. All the time. It's incessant. Now I'm bothered. Ah, you're, you're, yeah, you're somehow my enemy. It's just like, Jesus, yeah. I can see why you didn't get custody. You know? <laughs> I, no, I'm just saying, I, I can see why it's only the one photo of him with his daughter. He's only ever seen her once. <laughs> Poor man. Uh, he genuinely looks like a penis as well. It's, it's, it's quite amazing. That could be another reason why he's so angry. Ah, oh, maybe, yeah. I don't know, an angry penis is a handsome thing. <laughs> when mine gets angry, it's very strong. Looks, yeah, I've, I don't know. It's it's come as quite a surprise to me. I'm turning I'm turning 31, and it's only recently that I've I've sort of looked down and been like, you've actually served me very well, old friend. <laughs> hmm. I shake his hand quite often to oh, you, show my appreciation. Oh, really? Oh, that's nice. Does your cock have a hand? <laughs> How do you shake its hand? What's its hand? Growth on your system. Yeah, you might actually need to see a doctor, Brian, to be honest. I'm happy with it. I'm trying to tell me. I looked down, going, that's right. You've not worked hard enough. Do more. I've been here long enough that you should have done something. Do you think it's disappointed with you? Yeah, definitely. Oh, he looks like I can tell every time he looks up at me. Yeah, does he not want to make it? What he spits in your eye, does he? Yeah, exactly. He's so angry. That's nice that he can look up at you, though. That's pretty good. For now. Yeah. I don't know, I, I, get, I get kind of excited in the morning when, when I wake up sometimes because every once in a while I go to sleep in my jeans, right? I just go, no, look, I'm tired. It's not warm enough for me to take off clothes. There's nothing else here. I'll take off my shoes. I'll take off my shirt, maybe. I'm going to sleep in my jeans, right? And if you sleep in your jeans, what happens is I don't know, I don't know what it is but you find your cock in your waistband in the morning. <laughs> and like, and but like properly, properly like ready to go. Just yeah. like, fucking, and just like, what? And it's like, it must be eight hours of pretty consistent pleasure. <laughs> this thing that, <laughs> only jeans, only jeans. Like yeah. I woke up this morning, I was wearing tracksuit pants, right? I had my morning boner. And I was, it was quite fun because I'd woken up early so I could come down to breakfast, right? And I felt like a teenage boy because I was like, 
Oh no, but I, I shan't be able to wear my tracksuit pants. I won't be able to hide my embarrassment. <laughs> I wasn't dreaming about anything particularly attractive. It was genuinely just fabric and time. <laughs> yes. Oh, we, was yep. it that brought you to the UK, actually? Because, obviously, um, well, the, spiders. the spiders. No, no. <laughs> no, I always liked the UK. I was a big, uh, big old Anglophile when I was a kid. There's nothing quite as dispiriting as having a big old debate as to whether American or British comedy is better. And they pull out Seinfeld and you pull out Blackadder. And they go, oh, well, it's just wordplay. And you're like, well... You know, it's also the grotesque and it's all these other things. But yeah, the best jokes in Blackadder are wordplay. Yeah. The best things in Seinfeld are wordplay. Everything's wordplay. Yeah. It's a sequence yeah. of words. Once you break it down and go, well, as long as it's scripted and it's just language reacting to other language, that's fine. Yeah. Out of that, you build a believable scenario. And some of that's been, you know, transmuted from actual experience to this to this. You know, I added artistry to this and away. Yeah. Fine, but on a basic level, everything is playing with words. Yeah. So, fine. It's all semantics, hooray. It's the same thing, it's just over in England, Rowan Atkinson can get away with wearing black tights and calling Baldrick an idiot, and that's pretty much the nature of it. And over here, Larry David has to recast himself as Costanza. You know, yeah. okay, fine. Uh, mm, yeah, I came here because I'd always admired I'd always admired uh, UK comedy. And also, ever since visiting here in 2009, it was just so clear that there'd always be something here for me. You know, and there's always something something in Australia as well. Like, there are people who've treated me beautifully. My, my fans and friends in Perth, in Western Australia, and in Brisbane, and in Sydney, and in Melbourne, they've all treated me wonderfully. You know, I've had, I've had the best time. It's just here, the opportunities are much higher, uh, and and it's ridiculous. Like uh, you know, I was in a, I was in Australia. I was a working comedian for ten years in Australia, and I got, I got on TV, commercial television, three times, and that was when I auditioned for Australian Idol and deliberately fucked with them. That was lots of fun. But I did that before I was a working comic. Uh, no, that makes no sense. Right. Subtract the word working. I was a comic for 10 years in Australia. I was a working comic for seven. Yeah, that's right. Then, then I was on Channel 10's breakfast show for one episode. And then my wrist appeared on a show called The uh, 7.30 Project, or whatever it's called, The Project. Because uh, it was in a puppet at the time, right? <laughs> and the weird thing was, they were, just, they were advertising my show, a show that I was doing. And they wouldn't let me be on camera. <laughs> Which sends something of a message. And it's not even a message like, oh, we don't like you. It's just, if they don't know you, they'll treat you like... The, the Australians will treat you like dirt if they don't know you. Yeah. Right. They love that. They're, they're a group of people who are like, well, if they know you, they love you. And the loyalty's intense. Yeah. You know, like, my guys from Wycon in Western Australia and the Supernova Pop Culture Expo and, and SwanCon, all these conventions, these are, these are my friends, you know. And every once in a while, I would start the year by doing a show, by talking to 3,000 of my closest friends, yeah. right? Hosting a cosplay show for 3,000 people, and they're all happy to see you. They're happy to see them. Beautiful. 
They treated me wonderfully. But when you try to deal with, I don't know, just some TV guys or whatever, they're, they're like, we've got our own people. Who are you? Fuck off. You know, you're of no value to us. Yeah. What are you? Oh, you know, you're weird and also sort of brutal. And no, we don't. No. I come here and, of course, I've been treated just as in, you know, I'm no longer treated like a liability. <laughs> like, I remember talking to somebody and they went, well, you know, like I'd flown to Sydney and a comedy, you know, producer said, well, what are you doing? And I went, well, I'm hosting this cosplay show. And he went, what's that? And I had to, I had to explain to him why that was relevant to what we were talking about. Yeah. That was horrible to do. Whereas here, everyone's, you know, kind of clued in. And even when people aren't, they have this sort of great deal of faith. So that's nice. That, and with that comes money and the opportunity to do lovely things. You know, like having a guy at the BBC be like, well, why don't you just go and write me a pilot episode for a Radio 4 series? Like, all right then. No one ever asked me to do that in Australia? Sure. <laughs> and then you do it. And he's like, all right, I'm going to take that to pitch for you. I'm like, fantastic. You know, or, you know, things like the fact that Darkroom for a year was in conversations with BBC Three Comedy about doing something. And then they eventually went, okay, it got to upper management and they went, we don't know what to do with that, take it to entertainment. So we're taking it to that department. I'm like, that's exciting. Yeah. That's fun. You know? Actual progress. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. the thing is actual progress. And even if it doesn't work there, it'll work somewhere. Yeah, people have heard of it because yeah. they've been talking about it. That's yeah, it, yeah. so around and, they, and around. They've not just gone, we don't know what this is, so no, they've gone, we don't know what this is, but take, take it, it over it, here. Take it there. And they might. No, and that's lovely. Yeah. Like, that, that's really good. Like, I remember, because when Darkroom went viral the first time, I got four million hits, and I asked, I asked a guy who ran a comedy website in Australia, could it be on the website? Because it was just killing it at the time. Yeah. And I remember he he couldn't comprehend what I was saying, but he genuinely couldn't comprehend what I at all. He went, "Oh, that's a lot of hits," and that was it. And you could see yeah. that it hadn't even reached whatever center center of the cortex is required. You know, he, it was amazing. It was like it's like the the, the death sentence with some people is yeah. when they go, "Oh." Well, well, that's different. <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's what the numbers go into the ears and they yeah. just go, hmm. What? The internet, that's not a thing, is it? Well, how? Oh, no. Well, yeah, yeah, it's really strange. Like, uh, I don't know. For me, for me, it's summarised that, if, like, if you don't, if you don't have anything, right, what you may as well have is a really strong opinion, right? Yeah. Okay, if, if you actually have no idea what you're talking about, and you live in a little world, the most reassuring thing you can do is to jump to a conclusion really fucking fast. <laughs> and oh god, it works so well. This is mine, I'm not yep. sharing it, I'm not changing all, it. All you have to do is decide that one relative is a complete no-hoper moron who is never to be dealt with, right, ever. And that's satisfying on some level. Because even when you do deal with them and they betray you, you're like, I was right. Uh, yes. <laughs> you know, and there's a lot of that, like particularly in my hometown, like just to kind of jump to that. And because I, I used to think like that, I'd be like, well, that happened, so this will never happen, right? Because it's satisfying. People like, you know, they like a climax. Everyone likes that. So yeah. bang. Whereas you come here and that's when you realize, well, actually, 
maybe that door shuts and this door opens and there's this and there's this and there's this. There might this. be a window you can at least look out of and shout from. Yeah, well people. it's like, yeah, okay, yeah. like me checking my emails and stuff this morning, right? I'm like, okay, what's happening today? Ringing out the underpants, <laughs> right. Well, aha, yep, we've announced the TV show's been canned. I'm kind of a bit worried about money off the back of it. And then you're like, I'm not that worried because I know where I am and they're paying me very well. And you're like, that's good. I'm going to go meet Doctor Who in a minute. That's pretty good. <laughs> right? You know, bring out the underpants, having a great time. And then I'm checking my emails and I'm like, oh, what's that? I don't know who that is. Yeah, sure, I'd like to go do a TED Talk. That'd be great. What the fuck? No! You know. <laughs> That was just the nice guys at, at my old hometown at TEDx Perth being like, oh, hey, would you maybe be interested? So we have to have a chat, you know, to really, you know, firm it all up. But you're like, great, that's fabulous, you know, because over the course of just an email chain, like, this person tagged you on Twitter, this person tagged you on Twitter. Sorry to see the shows going, fuck you, you cunt, I never liked your show. Fuck <laughs> that, you know, all this, right? And then you're like, you want to come do this? Like, oh, I'd go see my mother for free. <laughs> Take her a Christmas present. That'd be great. Yeah. Strange. And it's only since coming here that such things happen. Yeah. And it's like, you know, next month, uh, which is, you know, shit. <laughs> I say next month. Yeah. Oh, shit. Yeah, June really rolled up, didn't it? Yeah. I. This is, all right, this is what I'm doing. This And this, is, this maybe is why I like the UK greatly, all right? <clears throat> so we're going to finish here. I'll go back to London. I'm going to do a show where they have comedy and then they watch the latest Game of Thrones episode. That'll be Monday night. Yeah. Thursday night I'll perform at Download Festival, the music festival. Nice. And just try to convince somebody to drive me home because I don't want to stick around. I, I don't give a shit. You know. Okay. <laughs> Friday I've got to go to Tainmouth. Well, that'll be okay. We'll, we'll get home somehow. Uh, Saturday, do two shows in London. Sunday's my birthday. Have a wonderful time. Monday, have some friends round, we play cards, we have some birthday drinks, we have a nice time. Wednesday, get on a plane, go to Hong Kong. Go to Hong Kong. No show in Hong Kong that night, just a hotel, because they're courteous. In the morning, go to Singapore. Do three nights in Singapore. Go back to Hong Kong. Do five nights in Hong Kong. Do three nights in Bangkok. Go to Brisbane do a week in Brisbane fly back and this never happened when I lived in Southeast Asia <laughs> so they're willing to bring in outside talent but not explore any that's there well why would you it doesn't look any good <laughs> it's all shit obviously they've well, decided this well, already exactly well, well the thing is it's, you know, it's not shit it's just that you haven't like guys in Australia Sometimes, okay, like if you've been, say, say you've been to a place before, they'll book you again, right? And they can go, this person works, I like them, okay? Like that's that's the story with me in Hong Kong and in Singapore, right? <laughs> and Bangkok off the back of that is a guy, the guy in Hong Kong, the guy in Singapore going, this guy's great, you got to have him, let's go, all right? Yeah. But they can also go, oh, look, he's killing it in England. And look at this. This is what the BBC said. You know what the BBC is. And this is what <laughs> The Guardian said. You know what The Guardian is. And this is what the, the Sun said. You know what The Sun is. You know, that kind of thing. That's why Americans <coughs> do particularly well sometimes. Because you got to 
I, I was talking to a, a guy in Berlin yeah. once, right? Yeah. And he's American, and he's, he's gone straight to the thriving German-English language comedy scene, which is thriving, but there's not a lot of money in it. Very talented people. Extraordinarily funny, yeah. right? But pushing shit uphill, right? When they should be in London, some of them, right? Yeah. Going straight to the market, yeah. okay? But they're building their own thing, and there's nothing more nurturing than building a whole scene yourself. So more power to them doing great. Yeah, yeah. So I was talking to this guy, and I went, look, you know, what are you... Okay, what are you doing? Why, you know, why are you here? And he went, well, the problem with America is that you can't get paid for comedy at all. And I went, well, why is that? He's like, well, because everyone who is being paid has been on Conan, they've been on Letterman, they've been on Leno. Yeah. And and he like he, he looked at me like I was stupid. You know, he didn't like, well, you know, they've done all this, so how could I? And I was like, well, they've all been on them, have they? Like, like all of them. He's like, yeah, and I was like, then that has no value, like at all. Yeah. All right. Like, who, what imaginary audience are you talking to? Because comedy clubs should build, okay, on their own crowd over and over and over again, right? Yeah. Yeah. They sell the idea, like the comedy store in London sells the idea that it's the best comedy club in the world. Okay. It doesn't matter. Once you've done that, it doesn't matter who's on, right? And plus, oh, this guy's been on Letterman, this guy's been on Conan, this guy's been on Leonard. It doesn't mean they're those guys, you know. It just means they're people who were there the one time. you got yeah. to build your own audience. And then who gives a fuck? And this is what so, oh, gets me every time. When YouTubers decide that they're going to do live comedy, most of them are shit! <laughs> God, they're awful! But they sell out a 2,000-seat theatre. And then they're awful in the 2,000-seat theatre. And they make, like... And it, it's dreadful, you know. And but the thing is, young people don't necessarily go. Oh, that was horrible. Let's never go again. <laughs> they buy a ticket the next time, yeah. which is fine because he was in this theatre, so he must be good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, well, actually, <laughs> <laughs> oh mate, no mate. Making an idea. Isn't yeah, it? it's true. Like this guy must be successful there because he did this. Yeah, but yeah. when if you bomb in a two thousand seat theatre, wow, wow, that's. 2,000 people being quiet is one of the noisiest sounds in the world. <laughs> you know, totally accurate. I've, do, I've done it. I've done it. Fortunately, it was only half full at the time because the guy I was supporting wasn't doing well. So that was okay. Um, you know, all right, because I've done shows like this. When, when I started off and my, my fans and supporters were very, very nice because I used to notice that the applause at the start of my shows were significantly larger than the applause at the end <laughs> because they were very happy with the idea of me and then they'd see me and they'd go oh I wasn't actually that good <laughs> alright yay John yeah, you've accomplished yeah, oh, yeah plus I always ran over so like we're fucking exhausted and I'd attack people when they went to the toilet so they're like oh we just want to piss you know. and I guess that's what happens with these guys you know when, when the audience suddenly realised, oh, this isn't actually great. <coughs> yeah. Ugh. But fuck it, they got the money. And they can always just do a YouTube video about how sorry they are. <laughs> <laughs> Fixes that up. Yeah. Oh, I'll tell you this and then I'll go. Because i got to... <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, the annoying thing is I actually have to go upstairs to get a coconut and a pineapple for my show. <laughs> That's price of fame. Don't you understand you've been listening to an idiot? <laughs> right, that's 
be fair, if they listen to us, then... Oh, they're you, you're delightful. Well, you got demons in your arms. <laughs> um, the first time I went to a goth club, I was taken there by my then-girlfriend, who, who was a lovely girl, and st still is, a very nice person. And... My initial impulse was I didn't want to fit in there, right? And, and she was like, no, no, you know, and I was cajoled. And I'm very rarely cajoled by people. You know, like, they, they usually, if I say no, I guess I say no a little too venomously. <laughs> and so they're upset, right? But she was like, no, it, it'll be okay. And I was convinced. And so I put on, I put on a tool shirt that she had, right? And like, would go on, oh, this is how I feel, you know, pointing at it, you know. Yeah. And she did, she did a bit of eyeliner, right? And I went down. And I must have looked, must have looked pretty lovely, you know. I was having a nice time. And the first thing that I, I did is I ran to this woman that I knew from the science fiction convention. And at this science fiction convention, she had disappeared with her boyfriend, okay? And so I was hosting a panel, and that was when we heard that she'd kind of vanished. And I was very young, and I thought it would be very funny to talk about this. And, considerable length that they'd clearly gone off to have a bang you know they, my god how, how insane you know? and so this became something of a running joke you know in the convention which I only later learned had devastated the girl I didn't know that at the time I thought I was being extraordinarily funny no dreadful and uh, I, I ran into her and through this haze of you know the smoke machine and all this darkness and the laser light and all this she looked at me and she called me by the wrong name. She thought I was someone else. She thought I was, that I was my girlfriend's ex-boyfriend. And I thought, well, this has to be, you know, I've got to remedy this pretty quickly. And I, I said, no, I'm, I'm John. And she looked at me and she went, John. And she grabbed me by my hair and just smashed me into the wall like several fucking times. Right? And that was the beginning of the night. After, after that... I, I have a very strong memory of getting tired, right? Because they gave me absinthe, and I hadn't had absinthe before. And I got sleepy, and they had a wicker chair, right? And I took my trench coat, and I laid it over me on the wicker chair. And this kind of, like looking back now, she was extraordinarily sexy, but I was 19, so I would have thought, oh, maybe a little old, right? This extraordinarily, like a hot school teacher came over to me, you know, she, you know, like probably 30 if she was a day, and she came over and she went, are you tied up under bed? And I was just like, no, oh, oh. <laughs> yeah. so frightened, and went outside and found my, um, yeah, found all the people I was living with, and a huge goth came over, apropos of nothing, and went, do you guys want to hear what I think about Nietzsche? Right? And I went, no. <laughs> and then I grabbed our housemate, Dean, who was too small to run. I went, Dean's got a lot of opinions about the Third Reich. <laughs> and ran off. We didn't see him again for some time. <laughs> so that's probably what I should be associating with that music. But instead, I just remember, you know, feeling vibrant and feeling attractive. And, you know, I just... 
it's the fact that the, the rose tint in yeah. view of the past, isn't well, it? Exactly. You know, everything was always better back then. Yeah. It's nostalgia. Well, yeah. the weird, but the weird thing about nostalgia is you can know the facts. Yes. You yes. know how horrible it was. It, it was shit, but I still fondly remember. Yeah, it. like well, like the club I'm talking about yeah. was one eighth of a dance studio. <laughs> it didn't have enough people, so they yeah. put a curtain there. Right. There were more people doing swing dancing there on a Wednesday <laughs> than there were dancing to do hast on a Saturday. <laughs> and yet that was always quite pleasant. And even looking back and being like, well. I think my greatest fear is turning out to be one of the dudes who used to be there, who were like the old goths, you know. Yeah. You know, the, the dudes who it's like with the black t-shirt and the big paunch and they all dance by just waving their hands in front of themselves and kind of walking in a figure four formation. <laughs> yeah. Terrifying. Of course, though, then you'd see them playing a game of D&D and they'd really rock it. So, <laughs> maybe it was their own thing. Let's have a little look-see. All right, yep, 6.30, half an hour to go and play Pandemic. I might sober up, lest the doctor be concerned. <laughs> what fun. Well, you've got yeah. fruit, nuts, things to acquire. What? You've got a coconut and a pineapple. Oh, yeah, oh, shit, the coconut and a pineapple. <laughs> That's very important. Yes. Otherwise, the children that, who are coming to the show at 10 will be upset that they don't have their grand... Oh, and all the props for the show are upstairs. <laughs> Should have remembered that. Well... Oh, well, cheers, John. It's been a pleasure, boys. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you, awesome. thank you thank Critical you. Twits. Oh, sorry. And, and thank friend. You. Yep. Oh, you're, we're all friends. <laughs> oh. That was lovely.